Welcome to the Take 92 podcast. I should say welcome back. This is Sammy Warmhands. I say welcome back because this is part two of our interview with Isid. We're going to pick up right where we left off in the middle of that conversation about his career. We talked about the early days and now we're going to get into a lot of the records that uh, you guys probably know and love. We're also going to talk about his new album, How to Fake Your Own Death, and play a brand new song. So here's part two with Isid. Yeah, so it was a really exciting time because, like, I released Biograffiti and, like, and that was in June of 06. And I did the release show in the summer and I went and, like, like I played, like, my first out-of-town shows ever around that point. And I had a lot of, like, people started finding me through MySpace, you know, and, I, and people would buy CDs directly from me because you could, like, that was back when you could, like, put like a PayPal button on your MySpace page. You remember that? Yep. Yeah, dude, it was amazing. That was like how I started my business models, like social media, like to that point, it was, you know, putting stuff in stores and it was, you know, it'd sell a few copies, but, but it was really, I saw that, that my music was, it was somehow like transcending local. It was hitting it wasn't popular locally, but it was hitting people in all these different places because of the internet. It was, it was crazy. So you're just doing little like weekend shows out there in, in the area or? Yeah, I go play like Sioux Falls or somewhere in Wisconsin. I can't remember if, I don't know if we hit it. I think I started going to Arizona. Maybe actually shit. I might've already started going to Arizona too. I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Okay. The last thing I was going to say about Biograffiti that always kind of was insane to me, I guess at the time, because I had been so used to being shit on and kind of, I just was pretty much used to people not getting what I was trying to do. And and that album had got like a couple of kind of scathing kind of reviews locally too. Really? And so when, yeah, and so when it found an audience and I started having kids my age, loving it you know it it was really it was really special i don't know it was it was fucking crazy and then to then six months later release saturday morning soundtrack i felt like like and the response to that was fucking crazy you know and but but it was also kind of i think that one was a slow burn as well where it like our release show was amazing but that could have been because carmen carousel played that too yeah we started getting people coming out to see us you know it was like this thing was was building you know that's a project too that over time as each of you develop as you know solo artists that people are going to continue to find i think yeah i think so too no totally i mean it's it's always kind of had a steady stream of of people um finding it and really gravitating towards it which is really cool i mean there's some of like the uh, what are you afraid of? Uh, 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 I can't remember how that shit goes, but it's still one of my favorite beats I've ever made. It was like that project. I really started to figure out some, like some of the aesthetics that to this day that like now are like second nature to me, you know, I'll have to re-listen to it with that in mind actually because uh i i don't think i put that one on in a while but i i did really enjoy it yeah and i mean even like the biograffiti one and there's like one of my favorite songs of uh, early songs of mine is on there you know not only is akmud salam which is like a song that i'll yeah. never escape you know um but another one called mannequin not included that has a really cool like jazz this like jazz xylophone loop on it and there was something cool about that one. That, that one, I, I'll hear it now and be like, God, I, I could probably play that song still and not, you know, like what it was trying to say was really cool. And there's like little things in there. Like there's this this outro hook on it where I'm doing some sing-songy stuff that I would do now, you know, but at the time I, I, I would do it very sparsely, you know, because I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so you can see like the little precursor to like, things that now I can really do in like a fully realized fashion. So it, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it, it is. It's it fun to me to look at any artist um, and see the, the trajectory of, you know, where 
I mean, even you can watch somebody's movie and see where this planted the seed for that director to choose this other project later or something, you know, like I, yeah, I don't totally. know. I think that applies over all mediums. It's, it's interesting to me, but, um, yeah. so after Saturday morning soundtrack, at, at what point does fill in the breaks, your label come into play? That with that. So Oh six is kind of when, when we started really hitting it with fill in the breaks and Jordan Mache was now in the picture um as well and i had produced an album for him that got so that that in 2006 we released his album that i produced phantom of the operation biography and saturn morning soundtrack nice. so it was just kind of like bam 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 you know really going for it and and the stuff started to find a niche you know started to find an audience not a huge one but we were building you know and it was it was really exciting um and then Oh seven. So like my personal life started to get really gross around that time. Like I just wasn't happy with the girl that I was with. And then I think it was, if my memory serves me correctly, then I, I had got divorced by 2008. Oh, when were you yeah. married? Like basically I got married and I think it was 07, and, and then it didn't even last. It didn't last a year, but I was with that girl for seven years. Oh, so wow. she, like, you know, she was a big part of the, like, or just kind of around during that early, that really early fill-in-the-breaks kind of era. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of that whole musical arc for you. Yeah, yeah. And so it was really strange where, you know, all that kind of, it's starting to work out. You know, but then because it's starting to work out, I'm more focused on that and I'm less focused on the girl and less yep. focused on on that stuff. And but that's where I wanted to be. I didn't want a girlfriend, you know? I think <laughs> looking looking back now, I'm like, God, like that was not fair to her or me. And so the best thing you think like, Oh, well, I'm with her, like that's my girl. I'm gonna stay with her, like through thick and thin you know, that naive kind of thing, but like, Hey, like we weren't happy anymore. And we were so young. It was kind of like, it's okay. Like let's go our separate ways. Yeah. And how, how do you see that? You know, how do you see that within yourself objectively like that? You know, no, totally. But you know, instead we got married when we shouldn't have, and it was kind of a disaster, you know, long story short, a lot of what I was going through, with all of that started to affect the music. Like my album, economy size God costume was kind of my, and what's weird about it is that album I feel like was fueled by the dissolving relationship, but then also my awakening to politics. And so that's my like first, like biography was like naively political, but I feel like economy size. I was like, I was pissed. And I don't know if it's because the experimentation, it was almost like a hangover from Saturday morning soundtrack because that album, you know, because we had the rules and we went so far with it, I feel like it kind of inspired me to kind of just go down this, this avant-garde path, this pissed off avant-garde path for a couple of years. You kind of kept that style in mind, but bringing back some of the harder edges that drew you to it in the first place. Yeah, Totally. And then those, you know, that 07, 08, 09 was a lot of just, you know, out playing shows. You know, I feel like all the stuff that kind of got released during that time, um, you know, there it, people were picking up on it, but I could tell like Biograffiti and Saturday Morning Soundtrack were like still like people were catching on to that shit still. And then they weren't getting into the other newer stuff as much, you know? And then, oh man, there's just so, there's, this, there's so much to all of this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Cause I did mention Arizona, you know? So during that 06, 07 time, I had started going to Arizona originally because that girlfriend I mentioned had family there. And so I had gone there like for the first time and I just was like, I wanted to see if there was a hip hop scene there. And so I started looking around and I found that there was a hip hop show at this place called simply noodles. 
So is this is this Phoenix or where are you at? Um, it was Phoenix. Ah, uh, man, it was it wasn't Phoenix. It was it wasn't Tempe. It was uh, like Mesa, Mesa. Gilbert. It was in okay. Mesa. It was Mesa, and so Arsenic and Spamfly were yeah. playing at at this thing, and so I just kind of reached out. I think I even tried to get on the bill, and it was already like a done thing. But I I went to the show anyway, and I met all these guys. And became really fast friends with them. I mean, it was like, you know, from that time, you know, and then I, I ended up coming back, you know, and playing with them, you know, at some point. And we all became like really close. So that was like my, I had like this Arizona f- fucking, you know, music family kind of growing. And, and after that relationship kind of, fully dissolved you know this is 2008 2009 territory i started working on a project uh with arsenic that was gonna be a hundred smiles and running uh-huh. you know and and it was kind of that was like my breakup record even though that's not the first <laughs> i made red beretta before i made that and that's red a beretta, dark record <laughs> yeah and i and that's the record i, I started making that when I found out I was getting divorced, yeah. I just like wanted to, I wanted to deviate from my life, I guess, and just make some crazy, just, just fucking make some crazy artistic statement. I tend to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's when, when life gets too real, I always retreat into the studio, you know? Yeah, for sure. But you know, so like a hundred smiles and running was kind of born out of that breakup and, you know, Arsenic was just making all these really dope psychedelic beats at the time. And and I was still, for my own stuff, making more like brooding, fucking heavy, dark-ass beats at the time. Um, so I just like, it was like hearing his beats was a breath of fresh air for me. And all of a sudden, I just like rapped different. And I, and, and I kind of, it kind of brought me back to the kid that I was when I made Bio Graffiti again. I feel like my positivity started to come back can show off my beautiful smile again. Exactly. Yeah. And people that, that really appreciated first... that album. That was a fucking turning point. That yeah, dude, that was, that was the first hell. record I, I heard from you. And so uh, it, I actually kind of worked backwards in that not realizing that you produced all your own shit right away. Like, that was, that was what I first heard. Um, yeah. It's kind of an interesting starting point for your catalog. Yeah, that is. And you know, what's funny is there's a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of people like that, that that was the first thing they heard, you know? Um, Well, I mean, is that when you started touring or when did you really start working the road? Um, you know, to that point I had, I had been doing like, like Jordan Mache and I had driven out to, to Phoenix, I think one time, one or two times before that. Yeah. Cause shit, I met Chesky in LA at the airliner when, me, him, and Kristoff played with AWOL at the fucking airliner. You know, like, and that was in 09. You okay. know, and that was this, but that was a time when I couldn't really book a tour. I could book a string of shows, you know? Yeah. So we would like, we would maybe, we would like say, play Sioux Falls, then drive to Denver, then go to Salt Lake, then go to Phoenix, and then go to LA, and then that'd be it. Oh, maybe we do Nebraska. Like it was, it was really hard and frustrating because I actually feel like at that time, I actually had a, a lot of people that wanted to see me. I mean, every fucking day I would have 10 people being like, come here, come here, come here, come here. And I just didn't have, I didn't have the the infrastructure. I didn't have the team behind me to get me proper shows in those markets to sell tickets, to do it the right way, you know? So I just... I would try to go play these towns that, that people would request me to come play. And, you know, I'd end up booking them at some bad venue or, or with somebody that it's their first time booking a show and just, yeah, tour bookings, a nightmare. It was, yeah, it was a nightmare those early years because of many things, but I would say, yeah, 2010 is definitely like, cause I got on that tour with dark time and AWOL yeah, early 2010, we released the AWOL ESIT album. Yeah. And so we were doing a bunch of shows for that. AWOL's the freaking big homie forever. Love that dude. God, man. I mean, did that help put you on the map on the West Coast a little bit more? 
Yeah, it did. It definitely did. And, and you know, I, I just learned so much from him just, you know, cause you know, he's kind of, he's a creative guy too, that just kind of likes to just makes, you know, he's always making stuff and now he's always painting and doing all, you know, he's, he's just an art dude, you know? And so I think it kind of showed me that I could be kind of, if I wanted to be an introvert and do this, I still could. I don't know. There's something cool about it. Did you guys make that record in Minneapolis or LA or? We made a, the majority of it at my, like, cause, cause capacity and I had flown him out to Minneapolis to kind of, I think we were doing like five shows. We were doing like a mini tour with him. You know, we brought him out and he was just hanging out at my house. Oh, and it, see, this is the crazy thing about AWOL is like, I actually think he flew into town to record this Marilyn Handsome project that he did with Capacity and, oh my God, why am I forgetting? Cheap Cologne, who's a producer DJ. Okay. So he was in town to do that and the mini tour. And then he also just so be happening to stay at my house. And so while he was staying at my house, I was playing beats and he just kept liking the beats I was playing and he just starts writing raps. And then we just kind of just started making a project. You know, it's like all of a sudden we've got five songs. Like it was, it was just a very like, easy fucking breezy carefree kind of like organic project that just kind of happened it wasn't wasn't like super meticulous or like there wasn't a whole lot of like uh for foresight for it you know it just kind of happened that's awesome i mean so much of what we do has to be strategic and calculated and having a a spontaneous especially chemistry with a new person like that uh, that can be re-energizing in in yeah. such a profound way, dude. It was great. It was such a great experience because I just loved AWOL too. Like I was just such a fan. So just the fact that I even got to write any songs with him was just so cool, you know. And so by 2010, we did our like LA shows. We did some other like Southern Cali ones too, and then we did like a release show in Minneapolis. And then shortly after that, we went and like did the Dark Time tour. And then I released 100 Smiles and Running. And then I think later that year then, because I did that that tour with Dark Time, which that felt like the first tour I ever really did, you know, where I, I, I made like new fans. I met a bunch of promoters that were like excited to bring me back. And so I, uh, I booked a tour off of that. You know, I went back to a lot of these markets and... Um, I booked a tour with actually, yeah, it was me, Spanfly, and Carnage. Yeah, the Heart Shaped Beretta tour. Yes, yes, it's all coming back now. That's how I met Carnage. Was uh, I remember you hit me up because we we had hit it off on that um, the Dark Time AWOL tour, and then I remember you hit me up a while later and said, uh, "Hey, I'm coming back. You know, do you want to help us throw a show in Eugene?" And I'm like, yeah, totally. And I'm just jotting down the information over the phone. I'm like, who are you touring with? And you're like, oh, it's me and Carnage and Spanfly. I was like, back up? Because you were like on to spelling Spanfly at that point. And I was like, wait, Car- like Carnage the Executioner? Like like the coach? Oliver, you, you're bringing <laughs> Carnage? And you're like, yeah, you, you've heard of him? I'm like, yes, I have. That was a great show. And I was, I was... It's funny, man. Like so many people that I've met in this scene stem from people we uh, were introduced to uh, by Max and Michael. And in this particular case, I met you by happenstance because my friends, like my friends here through that show for AWOL. And then I met Terrell through you on that next tour. So it's funny how that all worked out. Yeah, that's crazy when you do this for so long, you kind of, you start to forget about some of the things you you've done. So now I'm just like re recounting that. And it's just crazy, you know, cause then, you know, after that tour with Terrell, then get into 2011 and, you know, I helped him release, um, the worth, the, the worth, the weight project. And yeah, you know, you guys had that, just, that video out for hunger, right? Was that, yeah, that, yeah. that record? Yeah. I think hunger's on that. Yep. Yeah, that was cool. 
that yeah, was, it was cool. a cool and, time, you know, and that, and like I started making videos and just like there, there, there were a lot of things that, that I wasn't doing yet that now all of a sudden were, there were a lot of these things I'd been working towards that now all of a sudden were starting to happen. And it was, it was exciting. And I, I remember around that time, like 2011, I did my first tour uh, with the Illusionists and you not only came out to our show, but like invited us out to lunch the next day. And then we went and hung at your place. And I remember hearing some of the rough versions of the werewolf hologram songs and just really yeah. being knock, knocked out. Like where the fuck, like, like you were taking it up like two more notches on that one of like, I've developed something that's totally uniquely me on that one and tell me about that process of of writing those songs developing that sound i mean how long did that take i think well that album i was living in downtown saint paul with the girlfriend that i had at the time pursuit of everything in between i made there i love that beat yeah and it was like and that's what a lot of it was at the time you know, a lot of it for me is incubating beats. Like I, I, I was, I think the records I was digging for, I started to find a sound that I was really interested in. And I also started to figure out how to like, just, I, I was just, my wheelhouse had just gotten sharper or my blade got sharper. Like if the beat wasn't tight enough, pitch shift this part. You know, I just, I had my bag of tricks really, it was getting there. So I think when I was making a lot of those beats, you know, shit just started to naturally work. It wasn't necessarily like a, I've got to switch it up. Like, oh, uh, you know, it just, ha it was this natural thing. Like a lot of life things happened. Um, we know the big one. I'm not going to go there right now. Um, but that had a big effect. I started doing yoga, like, you know, but, but it's weird because Werewolf started, I started making the initial song, like, beats for that while I was living in this St. Paul house. And that's where rock stars don't apologize was recorded too. And then later in the year, we kind of got forced out of that place and had to go move to Northeast. And we, we got a house. That house is where, where you that's heard where werewolf. I... Yeah. That's where you heard yeah. it. And I don't know what it is, but it's something about being in a basement. Cause I, I had already had a couple tracks in the, in the uh, the holster for Werewolf Hologram. But once we moved into this house is when I really started going full force into making it. And, you know, I started, and for some reason, I got I had this, like, trip-hoppy kind of sound just started to put to come together. You know, I feel like my drums just got a lot better. I, was, I figured out how to really sequence stuff and not just, like, make, you know, a, a four-bar loop, kind of thing and yeah i think your I, editing style really came into yeah. fruition there like yeah like yeah what you were mentioning about oh i'd pitch shift this or i'd do something else to make yeah. the sample work but n not just that but like you really have a signature sound that's kind of predicated on like really fine like micro chops in your yeah, samples yeah. and i feel like yeah. that's where it really started to become clear that that's where you were headed yeah for sure you know, and so it was something, but a lot of those songs I wrote on my phone, like, you know, I had the studio in the basement blasting a beat all day. And then I'd stand upstairs and just write all kind. I just was like, I was trying to write the most surreal kind of like, you know, I, I wanted to, cause to that point, I remember I had been, you know, I just done hundred smiles and running, which was a super direct kind of breakup record before that I did red Beretta and I always felt like I had to tell a story and werewolf hologram. I was like, how can I tell a story? But like in a way where no one knows you're telling a story. And so that's how I kind of like, that was kind of the rules for a lot of that album was like all those songs, they have a narrative kind of thing going on in them, but they're just, it's just like, instead of telling it through like a maybe a traditional narrative, you're telling it through a f fucking just a almost a, just a off the wall metaphor. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big shift from a very autobiographical 
feeling record going yep. into this. It just feels like another world with that. And I think that's yeah. probably why that album was so well received is that it was just so unexpected in a way. Yeah, totally. Like it didn't it didn't seem like the next logical step necessarily. It really seemed like like two steps ahead kind of like, oh shit, we didn't hear the connective tissue that led us here. You know? Yeah, yeah. But what's crazy about it, it is I mean that album is it's fueled by fucking heartbreak and all you know all the things all the things are in it it's just yeah it took on a i kind of just i went to a place i don't fucking know man i just and i think there were all these factors involved but i think the biggest thing at the end of the day is that i was comfortable with my my voice and i found like a way that i i really like because that was my thing too was like i just kept on earlier projects i was like um, you know, I was so fascinated with trying to do like fucking crazy rhyme patterns and, and stuff. And I, and I always liked rapping on up-tempo beats, but then I started to realize that it just, you know, it took away from my writing. And so I, I on Werewolf, I really was like, all right, I'm going to rap to slower beats. You know, I'm, you know, I made a concerted effort to, to pick beats that fit me and to, to not try to over rap on the beats. Well, and I also remember you saying to me like a little ahead of this, when we made bears repeating together, I remember having the discussion of like, I'm not going to make an illusionist record right now. Like I'm not trying to do something that's so aggressive and in your face. I'm trying to tell some, some more personal stories. And I remember you relating to that, and telling me that you would kind of tried to be less abrasive a little bit at that point in your career and, yeah. and actually serve the serve the song better than feeling like you had to get up there and fucking yell into this mic and you know yeah. dig something out of your guts you know you you were doing something different with it totally i mean yeah and it, and and now like now that i'm you know, five years older than I was then. I'm, I mean, even like the, the new stuff that I'm doing now, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm expanding on what I think I was, what I was on at that time. Like now I'm kind of like picking it back up where I'm like, Oh, see, this is, yeah. You know, and, but now being five years older and having gone through a hell of a bunch more fucking shit that like, really broke me down. Now I feel like I'm not concerned with, with proving myself in any way. It's, it's about, you know, tapping into just tapping into it, whatever it is, you know, that's the, you just, as long as you can tap into that feeling, that real thing and just express it, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And I think that that that's evident. I mean, I think I've heard most of this new record you're about to put out and it, it feels like you've got kind of a trilogy going between werewolf post euphoria and pheromone heavy. I feel like there's a continuity just in the tissue, even if they don't necessarily um, correlate near each yeah. other in other ways. Um, I think that you're finding that, that more comfortable place and making a shift in your writing style and mm-hmm. your ed- editing style and, you know, in the beat production, I think both of those have been constants regardless of whatever changes, you know, were, were made around that. So it's got that, that same mindset behind it, you know? Yeah, I think so too. Um, that made for that, for that big creative leap. Um, uh, I want to ask, uh, cause we're getting pretty long in here. Yeah. I'm probably gonna make a two parter <laughs> out of this shit. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to ask about your, uh, your side project as well that you've been working on the last uh, year or two with Lewis logic. Yes. Yes, Toy Friend. Tell me, yeah, so this is a totally different style of music. Um, yeah, we like to tell people that it's, well, it's Purity Ring meets Elliot Smith. But this project yeah. came about because, you know, Lewis and I toured together in 2014, and we became really fast friends. It's funny because we're coming full circle here because we talked about 
you know, I just, I gave my entire life to hip hop for 15 years. And as I've gotten older and just through sampling, you know, sampling always shows you new styles of music. So I've always been kind of craving new styles and new sounds. And, and I find myself listening and, and appreciating more and more stuff outside of hip hop um, and paying attention to it more. And so when I toured with Lewis, you know, we both kind of bonded over a lot of the like indie rock stuff that we're into, you know, you know, things like Animal Collective and Beck and whatever. Um, and so I think I could see, you know, that he had totally grown out of, I, I hate to say grown out, but it, let's say he got disillusioned he evolved. from, yeah, he evolved. Yeah, he evolved. If you, if you listen, if you listen yeah. to his last album, uh, look on the blight side, I believe it was called. Yeah. It's, it's definitely incorporating a multitude of genres and influences totally. that are much different than his his earlier records. So yeah, well, you that's know, fair and, to say. Yeah, and he what he did was he learned how to play piano, and then he started wanting to write his own songs from scratch. And he had no idea how to make cool drums. And so, like you know, we're touring together and we're promoting that album. You know, meanwhile he's talking to me like, like damn, like. You know, he, he kind of looked to, at what I was doing and was just like, didn't, doesn't understand how I do what I do, but like really appreciates it. And, and was kind of like, after we toured, I can't remember how much time had passed, but he wrote, when he did the look on the blight side, he would write something and then try to rap to it. But this time he sang to it. Nice. He, he, and he sent me this little clip and I, I started messing with it. I started doing the Isid thing where I chop shit up and play around with it. And then I added drums and I started arranging it and, you know, grabbed his vocals and I arranged them to an MPC, MPC and started chopping them up and sent them back. And we've kind of been a band ever since. That's awesome. We haven't released anything yet, but we're like, we're on the precipice of it. You know, over the next couple months, we're going to release it for sure. I don't know. For me, it's always an organic experience. You know, a lot of these things, they just happen because, um, I really bro down with somebody and, and yeah, we just, I mean, it's, you know, it's the right place, the right time. A lot of, these yeah. Projects, and all this, these you know, collaborations, all of a sudden it's like, shit, we're bet. You know, it's like in, uh, stepbrothers. Are we best friends now? Yeah. Yep. Did we just become best friends? Yep. And that's kind of what happened with us. And now I'm moving to New York and we're going to do the band thing. I'm going to still do Isid like a crazy motherfucker. But now I'm going to do this other thing too. And and uh, it's really exciting. Um, Honestly, I think it's so fulfilling to have multiple projects that are that are both going. You know, they're both yeah. active at the same time. Because, yeah, man. Because it, they both, they fulfill a different side of you creatively, each, each style that you do. And, you know, each album is that way. But it's a great way to take that feeling of like, oh, I feel, you know, this way about, you know, four different albums that I've made. But if you have multiple projects going simultaneously, it's like you can access those parts of yourself all at once in a way. And, yeah. and it makes for a really well-rounded creative experience when you, when you jump genres like that. It's, it's, it's really fun. Dude, you know, like real talk, like the coolest, one of the coolest things about this project is that we have been doing stuff in different time signatures. You know, we have a song. Yeah. We, I think we have two songs in three, four, you know, like waltzes. And yeah, then we he does try, that. Yeah, he loves it. You know, and we tried another one that I think was in six, eight, or no, it was harder than six, eight. It was something really fucking weird. It was like five, seven, six, eight or something. Because five, six is the one that is like, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, yeah, like, like you, yeah. Oh, that's five, four. Yeah, it's five, four. That's what it was. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, five, four is fun. Don't man. judge Especially... me, guys. Don't judge no. me, internet world. <laughs> I went to public school. Um, <laughs> um, you just said you went to production school. You can't do I know, that now. I know. It's just a joke I say. This is a lengthy interview for America. We got a two-parter on our hands, but and you know um, what's you know what's crazy about it is that there is I have made so much more music in that time frame that we're talking about that didn't get talked about. That's what's crazy. I know. There's other. I was going to ask about Sector Seven G. I was going to ask about Pat Jensen and and some oh, other yeah. things. We can do that another time. 
before we wrap up, I just do want to ask uh, to touch on two two more things, and um, one of them being, uh, as as I mentioned, Bears repeating. My first solo record is Sammy Warmhands, and uh, I was thinking of all the people that I met, and as you know, when you go on the road, it's like the new, you know, good game, good set kind of interaction yeah. is always is is the new like yo want to collab i got beats you know here's my cdr here's my card here's my <laughs> soundcloud you know like that's that's just everywhere you go and so you're constantly getting you know new people that you could work with but i was really trying to be smart about it and and you were really the the only person i could think of to start that uh, next chapter for me so hell yeah i sent you a few of your own tracks that was like, I really like these kind of beats that you make. I think that could work with my kind of boom bap origins, but be different enough. And you were like, yeah, I've done all that before. You know, I'm kind of trying to do something else. Um, yeah, I just remember being really blown away at how different it was and how inspiring it was to write over something like that. Did you have any takeaways from that time or that project? A lot of those beats. Yeah. They just, they, it, they just felt right, you know, for whatever reason in that time, it's something about that basement that I was in when I made those. I don't know. I, I'm trying to like visualize the pro like I almost want to bring up the album right now. Um, so that, cause I'm just like, I know there's a song that's, that's the one, you know, you know what the um, one is? I can tell you which one it is. Which one? It's, it's blood in the water. Yeah. Because blood in the water has that, theater applause yes that you chopped and i remember sitting there going what the fuck like when it's starting like before the beat oh drops. yeah yeah and it's and you start chopping that and you're like what the fuck is happening oh my god and when it comes in you're like that's the most like inventive thing i've ever fucking heard and i didn't know what the hell i was gonna do to it but i instantly was like no that's that that's too good to just let to pass up the opportunity to write something to this. I think I actually filmed myself instead of recording it because I couldn't rap it that fast. <laughs> that, like to that fucking beat. And so I wrote a thing and I was, I like filmed myself rapping it just so I could get it down and, and memorize it. And then it took me a while to actually like come back and track it that fucking fast. And now, now I can do it a song in my sleep, but like, uh, at the time, it was like a, a challenge that if I'm going to do any like rapidy rap on this record that has yeah. no other purpose, then it needs to be fucking out of this world. And especially when I heard that sample, I was like, fuck, if I'm going to rap on this track, it's got to be like the best thing I've done to date. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, there's some dope shit on there. I, I got to go back to it, though. I'm like... Yeah, I just revisited that, that stuff uh, recently because I had... I'm not actually working on my next solo record right now, and so I kind of re-listened to, to everything, and and um, I was surprised by some things on that one. I hadn't hadn't gone through it in a while. Oh, nice! And you're like, oh, all right. The song Veterans Day, I think it's oh, like yeah. the the first like full song on there. Um, it has that like home is where the heart is. That shit's yeah. retarded. My heart is in the music. It's why I'm an artist. Like that song actually. I'm I'm really happy with, and I haven't performed in years, so I'm I might try to bring that one back in a way. I don't know. I always like that one. But enough about my shit. I wanted to uh, <laughs> the new album, How to Fake Your Own Death. Is that right? Yep. I'm really excited by what I've seen you try out live, and and the the kind of rough tracks that we heard at your place. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, when is this dropping? And secondly, um, you know, any anything else? You want to say about this project and how it's different? Yeah, from I mean, what it, we've heard it. Uh, it comes out on May twelfth. I'm doing uh, colored vinyl. Pat Jensen did the uh, the cover. Well, this record, man, you know, I finished with, uh, pheromone heavy. Yeah, and after I finished that, my grandpa got sick, and uh, and so it kind of it, it definitely uh, it. It beat it. Uh, what's the wording I'm looking for? It just kind of shattered me for a while. It was a it was a really intense experience because we found out, like my family found out, he had stage four lung cancer, and he was dead within like two months. 
Wow. And so like the family, you know, we all rallied together and we were going, I was, you know, I was driving from where I live in South Minneapolis across town to pick up my uncle, to go way up to fricking where they lived. And like, it was just, it was this really hectic, crazy time. And I did all that and, you know, went through the grieving process and whatnot. And then I released Pheromone Heavy and went on tour for a year and a half. And I just feel like there was something about it. Like it just really stuck with me. And so I, I kind of held on to a lot of things. I, you know, I didn't write a lot. And also because I was touring, I didn't have the luxury to make a lot of beats. So I feel like when I got in the studio, it just kind of, it took me like two months. You know, I was, I was kind of, I was, I knew what I wanted to do, but I couldn't get there yet. And then I finally made, and then I made the first song and it was breaking up with death and it just, yeah, that song, it's a really really great song, you know? And from there it was like, I had like six, you know, I made like six songs in, you know, two months or something. And, and, and it was like, I made that song, that gentrified utopia song and a few other ones it was the most just like organic, natural experience. Like it, something about it, the the way, I don't know if it was because I was touring so much, but, but uh, vocally I felt different. Um, you know, I was trying more, like even more melodies, do, trying to do little more, you know, hitting notes that I usually wouldn't even try to hit, just stuff like that. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's crazy. Cause I think this is definitely my best record, you know? And, and I kind of feel like in a lot of ways it came out of me just way too easily. Like I didn't have to like sweat over this one, like trying to make it dope. And, and maybe that's just because I'm older now and I didn't try to like, I didn't try to prove I could rap on any song. There's no like, braggadocious songs it's just they're just songs man i i think for me this is like a turning point or even maybe just a realigning of like like what i started and what i was going for when i made like the werewolf hologram album and but even that album no fuck that scratch that because that album i was still trying to prove that i could rap where now i i am completely devoid of that it's it's about finding creative songs you know creative ways to tell stories through song you know that's it and just and i i think what you said about it being easy or or relatively quick you know mm-hmm. a lot of times that's that's true with the most resonant songs you know the, yeah. the ones that connect with people a lot of times are, I mean, they can be the ones that you really labored over, but a lot of times when you don't overanalyze something and you just feel it yeah, and you just kind of let it happen, you know? Yep. Um, you know, my, my personal writing process is a lot different than it was years ago where I used to, you know, just constantly write down every clever fucking thing I ever thought yeah. of in my life. And then I would try to fit it all into every little verse you know and every line had to have you know three different references and yeah yeah all all that shit you know and 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 once i got beyond that and you know started writing more stream of consciousness and just you know sit with a feeling or a thought and and you know come from you know just somewhere real in the moment yeah a lot of times those are the ones that people come up and want to talk about at the show, you know, like um, there's really something to be said for embracing that and not really caring to, like you said, prove yourself on yeah. this track, especially at this point in our, both of our lives or yeah. we've, we've made, we've made that song a lot of times already. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You kind of hit it all, all. I mean, it's just, it is that it, it's just capturing the natural just just a natural energy yeah just letting it happen and that's kind of what i did and it just you know there there just wasn't anything forced on it and i think that's what was really cool about it i mean i had a hard time editing it down because i felt like you know i would 
I got to like maybe 15 songs or something. And there was like only like one song that like my friends that had heard it were like, ah, you don't need that one, you know, but everything yeah. else people were like, you're going to have this on there, right? This song's going to be on there. Right. <laughs> and then I had to start being yeah. like, you know, ah, maybe not though. You know, like I, I wanted to make a, a record that didn't get long winded, you know? And, and, uh, you know, I think 12 tracks is like the maximum, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, especially if you're saying a lot, you know, and you want people to, yeah. to actually digest it. Um, there's something to be said for brevity in, you know, your your album's runtime. And, and I don't know how much people think about it when they're listening, but, you know, when we make an album, sequencing is very important. And, and oh, the, yeah. You know, the, the segues and the length of things and all of that really plays into the overall experience so um i sometimes it's really hard to part with your babies like that yeah totally but uh you know the the thing about this project too even like that bong this song i'm calling bong manager and it's the one i did the other night where it's like to that guitar and i'm just like today i'm hiring my bong to be my manager yeah like that thing was just a joke that I had made. I'd only had a little, it was like a four bar thing. And I was putting it on the demo while I was working on the new album. And everybody that was hearing it really liked it and just kind of assumed it was going to be part of the album. You know, it didn't have a hook. It didn't have any arrangement. It didn't have shit. And it was just like one of those things that was just like, yeah, maybe I should, I'll use this. Why not? Let's let's see if we can turn it into a song. And it, I think it turned into a really cool song. And it's kind of one of the that, lighter songs on the album. So it's kind of necessary to have it. Yeah, that's that's happened to me too many times where I'm fucking around with something and somebody else goes, oh, you're going to do more of that though, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, really? right. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's do it. <laughs> you don't always want to do stuff based on um, on what your friends say, but it's a good barometer. It's like if you play something for five people and they're all kind of like finding something charming about this little thing you've got, you should take notice of it. Yeah. Develop it. Why not? Yeah, exactly. All right, man. Well, uh, I'm going to wrap up. I really appreciate the the time and, and, and really uh, going all in on this. Yeah, man. Today. This was great. <laughs> this is our, this is our uh, 30th episode. <laughs> well, I guess this, this part will probably be part uh 31 uh, nice so uh yeah it's a hell of a way to to make a little comeback in the series i'm gonna try to do another another 10 episodes and um i really wanted to get you know some some more of the crush kill team on the show so yeah, yeah i appreciate it hell yeah man thanks for having me all right that is our show thank you so much for listening i don't know about you but i really get something out of doing this i'm not a very social person and it gives me an excuse to hang out and kind of connect with people so I really enjoy it I appreciate everybody who listens if, if you like it subscribe I got a lot of good new content coming next episode is with master guitar builder Rick Neal after that I've got master lyricist Illogic a lot of you guys in the rap scene will know him weightless MC orphanage crew member we're gonna leave you with a track from Isid off his brand new album How to Fake Your Own Death this is called Down to a Science oh you've got it down to a science oh you've got it down to a science oh you've got it down to a science it's not your fault everything is dying oh you've got it down to a science Oh, you've got it down to a science Oh, you've got it down to a science I'll always love you, but have no use for your guidance I often fantasize about a martyr-like demise Where I collide with my doppelganger But can't identify the trace to make us similar Just disenfranchised I push him into traffic and we both die the toxicology report of my corpse will finally admit denial was my drug of choice. 
the benefits of being self-employed is that you're unemployed it keeps you hungry for what you want but you must avoid free thinking is an endangered concept co-opted by corporate sponsored op-eds Given a fuck go extinct I must have missed the link I missed the clickbait designed to shrink Our brains and our dicks And our ability to think about A future that's totally fucked but doable At least we'll have craft brewing Can sleep inside a cubicle I'm trying to harness my vinyasa flow And make renewable Oh you've got it down to a science Oh you've got it down to a science Oh you've got it down to a science now you fall, everything is dying. Oh, you've got it down to a science. Oh, you've got it down to a science. Oh, you've got it down to a science. I'll always love you, but have no use for your guidance. We wanna be remembered more than we wanna live. Dying young will be our crowning accomplishment. It's not an accurate assessment of my character, it's just a current mood of all of my accomplices. Wonder why we strive to do dope with our idols Wonder why we take photo after fucking photo You wonder why we idolize the clinically insane You wonder why we live our lives with the doors closed You've got a case of cognitive dissonance I'm hitting this J to symbolize generational differences There's no science involved in propaganda Just a pocket change of influential grandpas all our conversations are telepathic I do my best to keep my whereabouts enigmatic Those unshakable opinions override the need for action Mother Nature has no say because she don't pay taxes I'm so repulsed, I'm repressing all my memories We share the same blood, but ideals are enemies Is there an algorithm hiding the writing on the wall? Like, you're not seeing the same come to Jesus at all It all makes sense to me, but I'm a commie, antagonizing yuppies So they lock me up and rob me of a free mind Leaving me at the will of hearsay I just hope I witness the moment it clicks in your brain Oh, you've got it down to a science Oh, you've got it down to a science Oh, you've got it down to a science It's not your fault, everything is dying Oh, you've got it down to a science You've got it down to a science I'll always love you but have no use for your guidance We wanna be remembered more than we wanna live Dying young will be our crowning accomplishment It's not an accurate assessment of my character It's just a current mood of all of my accomplices We wonder why we strive to do dope with our idols No wonder why we take photo after fucking photo No wonder why we idolize the clinically insane I wonder why we live our lives with the doors closed Billion tiny axes Chipping away at the core